Hi, my name is Sokuren, and I'm one of Sokuzan's monks. Sokuzan so freely offers his love to us and his wisdom through these talks, and never asks us for anything in return. If you value what he does and what he is, and want them to continue, please visit our donate page at sokukoji.org. Thank you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This evening's Dharma talk is titled, Chanting Sutras. I don't know if I've ever talked about that before, but since we spent 11 hours yesterday chanting sutras half the day and mantras the rest of the day, pretty much somewhere around there. But before I do that, I want to ask you to uh, help us to take a minute and go to our webpage and find the donate area. Help us out. This, uh, this kind of a endeavor, running a monastery in, in a country that does not particularly support Buddhist monasteries, if you didn't know that, we have to do this ourselves. So far, we're doing okay, but it's, it's difficult. We have lots of programs that are not just about the central area of training monks and meditators, but also extending into this fairly small community, trying to uh, extend out and see if we can't create some basic sanity in the world, starting uh, with one person, at a, one person at a time. That's how it's done. Not necessarily by great movements. Help us a little bit if we can. Appreciate it very much. Chanting sutras, any kind of chanting. Uh, Buddhism has been around for thousands of years, a couple thousand plus. And this is something that's been, actually in any religious area, seems to be necessary to somehow produce something. So I break this down into very simple terms, as you've heard me talk before. It's about receiving and producing, listening, and then what, talking or thinking or ruminating or planning or structuring or strategizing or all the other words. You can come up with a couple dozen of them. They're about doing something, planning. So the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the narcissistic mind, the mind that is all about me and my stuff and my property and how things should show up and how they shouldn't show up and how I need to get control of my mind or somebody else's mind, for that matter, a whole damn country, and somehow convince the people in that country that they need to <laughs> go kill other people. How, do you, how, does that, how does that come about? Why would even people do that? Well, some of it is the regulation. I'll give you an example I've given before. My father died at age 26 in Andernach, Germany, shot off the back of a tank. He did not want to go there. My mother told me many times he did not want to go. He didn't know how to get out of it. did not want to go because he knew that he was not coming back somehow. I don't know how he knew, but he knew it. He wasn't coming back. He told her, I won't be back. If I go, I won't be back. And he was not. So I could say, Dad, why did you do that? Well, in those days there were laws. You couldn't even be a conscientious objector, I don't think, in, in the, during the, those uh, wars, war in Japan, the war with the Japanese, the war with uh, Germans. And it could go either, that could happen here. We're not far away from a dictatorship in this country, 
if you haven't noticed. How do you, what's the best thing to do about that? Train your mind. So you don't get sucked into that vortex of what? Control. Or the right thing to do. Train your mind. Find out. You don't have to follow me around. You don't have to do anything I say. And I've even given a talk recently that says, don't do what you're told. I could stand some better questions about that. When I say better, I'm saying more right to the point. So let's go back to the point, chanting sutras. Yesterday, as I said, we did that for those of you who were here, you know, strong form. So the receiving is what you're doing when you're sitting on the cushion. This is what needs to be done most of the time, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as my understanding goes. Sit down and receive uh, the noise machine in your mind. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. It shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't have said that. The next time they come to what I'm going to say, I could go on and on, but it just gets silly after a while because it's so such a chatterbox. We all know that if you've meditated for a few years. If you've meditated for many years, maybe that isn't quite so strong. And you might be kind of getting to some kind of a feeling like, well, maybe I'm getting somewhere. You're not getting anywhere. Just because your mind is slowed down. You will not find proof for what this is. You will only find possibly what this is. There isn't anything else called proof because there isn't anything else. There is only this. If you're interested in that, I can give you some ideas about how to approach it. If you're not, please do something else. Do whatever you want. Millions of people, billions of people are doing whatever the hell they want with their life and they're doing fine. They live for a while, they're success, they become a great uh, cattle rancher, they leave their spread to their children, and one of the children uh, doesn't like that and goes off to uh, Harvard. People just do whatever they want to do, whatever they, whatever they want to do. Well, fundamentally, it isn't what they want to do. It's what they can't help but do because it's their karma. Does that mean things are faded? No, things are not faded. That's a misunderstanding based on the illusion of having control of any damn thing. As you can see, I'm old, and I have no idea how much longer I'll be here, but whatever that length of time is, I'm not going to hesitate to teach you. If you're a student, the students all go away, I stop teaching. So the receiving part is, I'll go over that first. The receiving part is listen to what people are saying without covering it up with what you think they said. People say something, and then what do we do because of fear, which is, doesn't feel like fear, it feels like a cover-up. Because once, when the cover-up works relatively, you don't know you're afraid. You're just not going to listen to that person talk. You're not going to put up with that. Various versions of that. Or instead of doing that, we just run away. We leave. We go somewhere else. Do something else. I don't want to listen to that anymore. Fundamentally inconsiderate of not only others, but of our own mind stream. We're so locked down on everything. 
So the receiving part is listen, and then also get to the wall, get to a situation that could be the carpeting in front of you. Might be your computer screen with nothing happening on it. I recommend just a blank wall with not much happening. Sit down, look at the wall, observe the wall, listen to the sounds in the room, listen to the sounds in your mind, the words. Don't interfere with them. Don't correct them. Don't push them away. Don't push them down. Don't fluff them up with explanations or justifications. And certainly don't distract yourself from them with anything else, including a mantra, including the sutras. You might be surprised to hear me say that. So that's the receiving, 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 receiving. But there may come a time, there will come a time, there comes a time every day in this monastery where we spend, what does it take, about 35 minutes to go through out of the six hours of scheduled sitting meditation that happen most days, not all days. Some days there's eight hours scheduled with no sutras. So it seems that we need a little of each. We need to learn to receive, train ourselves to receive, receive, receive. And then what we produce is uh, the words themselves, the meaning of the words. Read the Heart Sutra. Read the Diamond Sutra. Read, read all of the sutras. So that's what your production is. You produce that. That comes out of that. And it's, it's, a, it's a form, so you're doing a form, because if you try to do it without some kind of a structure or form, uh, then you'll, you'll just begin to go in circles, chasing your own tail, more than likely. So what good does it do to chant the, the Heart Sutra in Japanese? We don't understand it. Just, you don't have to understand it. You don't understand it when it's in English. Have you noticed? We chant the Heart Sutra in Japanese in the morning. We chant the Heart Sutra in English at night. I've just been translated by an incredible translator, Red Pine. I'm not saying you don't understand it a little better when it's in English. Very important to receive and produce. And we try to have some of the production be in a form so that you are chanting, whatever that may be. Gate, gate, paragate, parasam, gate, bodhisattva, gate, gate, paragate, parasam, gate, bodhisattva. Do a lot of them, not just 20. Do a lot of them so that what begins to happen in the mind stream when there's that constant production, constant production, production, production. Om, the simple one in Tibetan is Om, ah, hum, Om, ah, hum. Either a simpler one than that is the, the sadhana maha mudra, Om, hum, 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 hum. Boom, 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 boom. Sounds kind of silly, of course. So the analytical thinking, uh, value-based process, of course. But not if you do a few thousand of them. That's the idea. In the Tibetan tradition, they understand something about that, and that's why if you study in that area, they may have you, they may have you be doing millions. I've actually done that, so... I'm not promoting that, but I speak out of having done some of that. I haven't done every practice in the Kagyu tradition or the Nyingma tradition, but I've gotten a pretty good understanding of it from what, doing it, saying 
a series of words a million times and counting them. Even that doesn't give me the credential uh, to speak about that. I don't have a credential. I'm not approved by the Dalai Lama or the His Holiness Karmapa or even by my own teachers. They died long before I started getting the big idea I was going to be a teacher. Seems to be necessary for some people. I, I wouldn't say this is true of all people that I meet. Some people that I meet, I feel just need to practice the simplest awareness practice possible, Shikantaza, which is, which means translated from the Japanese is just precisely this. If you say just precisely this, whatever you're doing, that's what it is. And if you're do not doing anything, then that helps you actually observe what's happening in your mind at any given moment or what's happening outside the window, sound of the birds, sound of your neighbors closing their garage door, sound of a dog barking next door. Just receive that. And yesterday, of course, was to pay respect and observe, have an observance of the 20th anniversary of the Parinirvana or death of uh, my Zen master, Kobanjino Roshi. So we did what we could. He didn't live long enough for me to thank him for what he did for me, because I didn't really realize what he did for me until just about six months before he passed in 2002. That winter is when I began to realize what he, what he was pointing at. Chanting sutras. So we do that every day for 35 minutes, then we do some more in the morning, then we do some more at night, and we, are, we keep adding on uh, different practices based on what? Based on, based on what we're looking at. So we're even, because we're not tied into the Soto Shu in Japan, we don't owe them anything. Also not tied into uh, His Holiness Karmapa. Don't owe him anything, although he's, uh, uh, the whole lineage is an inspiration. We even have a, a figure of uh, a Rupa of the second Karmapa, Karmapakshi, on this Kagyu altar across the, across the room here. So we're not getting rid of anything. So to repeat something, whether it's the, the Heart Sutra or or the, uh, the chant that we've been working on lately with the help of Tisho, uh, several other people, Shazan, uh, I don't mean to leave anybody out, Carl Witt and other people are getting together to chant the 30 verses, which is something we study every Sunday. I'm studying this, studying 30 verses uh, as a group for a long time, and I've been studying it individually and being completely confused by it for many years. Still confused by it. Not about accomplishing anything. It's about studying it. It's about chanting it. This, uh, if there's faith in, in the Buddha's Dharma, then it's about the repetition of, because you're not going to, going to get much feedback from in the relative situation of how much better I'm doing, how much better I feel, how much more peaceful I feel, how much kinder I am. Although that can show up, there's no guarantee. If you look for results, you've just stepped off the path. This is spiritual materialism. 
using spiritual techniques to get somewhere, to gain something, to improve, to get better, to get more spiritual, to realize your true nature. So, so far, we I think we have that uh, with the help of Chisho. And as I said, several people working together, we have that so we can actually recite that in Sanskrit. And I think usually the pronunciation is pretty good. Isn't that true, Chisho? Yeah, thumbs up. You could always say that. You'd never go like this. Uh, so we're working on that. We're actually going to be chanting that in English also. And I think uh, Carl has been working on these the musician and he's been trying to put the, put that together so that it doesn't sound so far away from the original cadence of the Sanskrit, which is challenging. So be able to chant challenge uh, you'll be able to, you, you will be able to chant that in the original Sanskrit and then chant it in English and then go back to the Sanskrit. So that'll give you a dose of the whole thing. Very important teaching. And then we also do Jizo Dharani, just a little bit more musical. Anybody chant that here regularly? I want to hear it. Go ahead. <laughs> so what is that? You just listen to it. What, it's just a, a, a string of words put together. What, 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 is, what, is the, what is the import of that? Either intellectually, maybe nothing, maybe a whole lot. Or emotionally, maybe nothing, maybe a whole lot. But it is a way of, it's, it is a stylized outflow. It's an outflow that is coming out of your practice. Not something you're, you're repeating a series of words, but the practice starts to come out of that rather than arguing with your neighbor or with your partner or blaming somebody for how you're feeling. This is what this is about. This is what the Gregorian chants were. This is what the, 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 the when the mass is spoken. It's, it's different. It's a, it's a theistic orientation there, which is quite a bit different than a non-theistic orientation that is the Buddha's Dharma. But it's still, still a practice. It's something we need to do and repeat and repeat. It's almost like it doesn't matter what you say, but yet it does. It's a little of each. Chanting the, the sutras, uh, chanting the Heart Sutra in English, I don't know how many times. Does anybody know how many times we did the Heart Sutra yesterday? I bet Chazan knows. <laughs> He's not here. He just got tired of chanting and moved to another state. <laughs> he said he was going to do this or that, but we know. We knew he was leaving for good. Did he make it? He made it there. Did he make it for good? Anyway, I don't know, but it was probably a few dozen or something. 
along with uh, uh, the other uh, chant, Haishin uh, Dharani. And then we also did the Heart Sutra in English. How many times did we do that in English? Did it for a whole hour in the morning or in the afternoon and two full hours we did the Heart, Heart Sutra in English. Anybody want to try that one? You want to have that memorized? You do? Let me hear it. The noble Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, while practicing the deep practice of Prajaparamita, looked upon the five skandhas and seeing they were empty of self-existence, said, Here, Shariputra, form is emptiness, emptiness is form, emptiness is not separate. From form, form is not separate from emptiness. Whatever is form is emptiness. Whatever is emptiness is form. The same holds for sensation and perception, memory and consciousness. Here, Shariputra, all dharmas are defined by emptiness, not birth or destruction, purity or defilement. Completeness or deficiency, therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness, there is no form, no sensation, no perception, no memory, and no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, and no mind, no shape, no sound, no smell, no taste, no feeling, and no thought, no element of perception. From my to conceptual consciousness, no causal link from ignorance to old age and death, and no end of causal link from ignorance to old age and death, no suffering, no source, no relief, no path, no knowledge, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, without attainment, Bodhisattvas take refuge in Prajnaparamita and live without walls of the mind, without walls of the mind. And thus, without fears, they see through delusions. And finally, Nirvana, all Buddhas, past, present, and future, also take refuge in Prajnaparamita and realize on itself perfect enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great magic, the unexcelled mantra, the mantra equal to the unequal, which heals all suffering and is true, not false, the mantra in Prajnaparamita, Spoken thus, Ate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisattva. I guess you guys do know it. <laughs> That's from saying it. Nobody is required to memorize that. No requirement. In fact, in fact, you're even if you're in the zendo, you are required. To hold it. Even if you know it by heart, you're required to hold this up and look at it. You can look over the top and, and say it 
verbatim if you want, but you hold it up. Why do you do that? The reason you do that is anyone uh, coming in here who's never been here before won't have any idea who's new, and they'll be doing the same thing. So it includes people. So you don't come in and immediately think, oh, my God, I'm never going to memorize that. So you hold up the sutra, read it. It's in front of you. Include, include, include. Find a way to include everyone. Don't outstrip anybody. Find a way to include. Find a way. No matter what anybody's doing or how they're acting, include them. I know that sucks, doesn't it? You know, got to include Harry. How about Melvin? And then there's, you can go on and on like that. It's interesting how when we hear that, we think, uh, I can include a few people who are includable, but those, those other ones are, they're the, are they called the, the unincludables? No. Oh, no, I think it's untouchables. These whole stations in life, you know, get like that. It's not that they're, we don't have to go in and fix that, but we can start uh, doing laying the ground, groundwork with our with our own lifetime, with ourselves. How are we going to do this ourselves so that we can fundamentally not not go to war with ourselves? And then, how can we, if there are people who are interested? I'm especially thinking of young people who might want to look at their life a different way than most of the world is doing. Right and wrong, all that stuff. Materialism might want to just uh, live a sane. In other words, no more war with anything. That's sanity. No war. No war. How do you do that? You have to, as Kabir said a couple centuries ago, the poet. You know, if you how how uh, if in in your heart you have a loaded gun, how can you ha how can you have God? A little bit in the theistic area, but the, it's just, it's a. Interesting, if you've got anger and suffering, and, and this, is, this is at war, in, in your own heart, in your own mind stream, then you're going to have a little bit of difficulty, quite a bit of difficulty, working with somebody who's 14 year, years old who was, who was uh, at war with everything, let alone somebody who was five years old. You can't really meet them outside of their warfare. That's why it takes great skill to do that. When I say skill, I'm talking about uh, upaya is the Sanskrit for skillful means. What is skillful means? It's not knowing what to do. It's knowing what not to do. Less is better. So chanting sutras. Have some questions about any of that? I'd be happy to respond. Or, or I could ask Chisho to recite <laughs> the 30 verses in Sanskrit. Can you do that? So they can. So, so can so many others now. Pardon me? So can so many others. They also. So many others. Oh, well, you're kind of uh, moving the cow's load to the ox. I think. <laughs> the, cow, the cow can carry it, but the ox can carry it too. So I could, can say it if you want. Could you give us. Uh, could you give my uh, uh, give us my favorite verse in Sanskrit and then in English? Well, I don't know in English, but I can tell you in Sanskrit. I can recite in Sanskrit. Well, Kozan can tell us in English. Kishwai. 
ಯಾವದ್ ವಿಜ್ಞಾಪ್ತಿ ಮಾತ್ರತ್ವೆ ವಿಜ್ಞಾನ ನ ಅವತಿಷ್ಠತಿ ಗ್ರಾಹದ್ವಯಸ್ಯ ಅನುಷಾಯ ಸ್ಥಾವನ್ನ ವಿನಿವರ್ತತೆ One version is, as long as consciousness is not situated in this only, the two-fold grasping will not cease to operate. Excellent. Thank you. So there's uh, 29 more verses of that, which we are uh, going to be chanting here. It'll, we'll find a place for it, and it'll be just that much, le- that much less sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe we'll do it over noon hour. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, uh, Chisho and Kozan. Uh, further questions? Rowling, if someone is doing mantra practice on their own, it seems like they would just do that internally in their head. Is there something different happening in consciousness when we do mantras in our head compared to when we chant them out loud? Probably. But even uh, even chanting mantras, you can even just do it slightly under your breath as long as the vocal cords are activated. But you could also hear it uh, because that what that does is it it's just a way of kind of replacing the production, the automatic constant chatter of the ego mind. So we put that in place of it. And, and it does, having done, as I said, millions of mantras. I mean, recitation. So I have an idea. Uh, that's one particular mantra. Another one I've only haven't done that many. I just hundred thousand. So, but it's you count them on a mala, and, and that's that's only part of the practice of the Kagyu lineage. If you finish the whole thing, you'll you'll have done millions and millions of mantras because they're very much creation completion, very much about um, uh, deity yoga. So but yes, I, I would say you could do it that way. Uh, I would be uh, I would be intentional about it. I would decide when I'm going to do it, how long I'm going to do it, or count on a, if you use a mala and do one mala, which is 108. That way it ties you into a form, so you're not doing it just, you know, that way you, you go into it and you actually practice that 108, or you do 1,080, you do 10 uh, um, malas. That way you've done a lot and you kept track of it, and it, it becomes a form. But if you're doing it casually, The formal aspect of that shows up more as, I'm not going to do it. If I, if I don't feel like it, I get tired, I'm going to stop. But if you set up the form, this is what I'm going to do. I intend to do this. Keep your agreements, even when they're with yourself. Make an agreement, this is what I'm going to do, and then do it. Don't, don't look for uh, sidetracks. Of course, unless you have a heart attack in the middle, then I probably won't hunt you down. More? Not for me, but... ಶಿವಾಸ್ಟ್ರೀಪೋಸ್ಟ್ರೀಪೋಸ್ಟ್ರೀಪೋಸ್ಟ್ರೀಪೋಸ್ಟ್ರೀಪೋಸ್ಟ
Another question from Shiva. What is the purpose of a sutra? Give your ego something to do other than uh, argue and fight and and uh, and spread propaganda in your mind stream. Give you something to do that the the actual words in there are pointing to the Buddha's Dharma and in our case as as Buddhists like the Heart Sutra. If you read, we just recited it in English. Didn't you write it down? Probably recorded. You can go and read that. You can hear recordings of it. You can hear us chant it every, almost every evening. Evening, what, three evenings a week? So three? Two. Two evenings. Getting cut back. We used to do it every night. Go and listen to that. You can participate. The purpose is to, and a way of helping train the mind that is other than just receiving. It's actually production, producing something that is where you're repeating in concepts what the Buddha said over and 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 over again and over again and over and over. And it's not till it sinks in, because it never will. It doesn't need to sink in. Other questions? Allowing our mantras covering up our chatter. No. No, the chatter, if you do enough mantras, you'll find you can daydream right at the same time. You might have to do uh, several thousand. So I think it's right around 18 or 19,000 mantras where you start to be able to actually have subconscious gossip come in at the same time. But it doesn't quite have the liberty that it did before when there was completely an open dimension. It has to fall in line with the uh, with that uses the energy of the mantra to, cont to continue to have discursive thought. Interesting thing about it, you're much more aware of the discursive thought when you're chanting a mantra. Whether it's a hundred syllable mantra, which is the Vajrasattva mantra, or whether it's um, the Jesus Dharani or something more that we do here every day, or whether it's uh, uh, Om uh, Tibetan mantras, Om Vajraguru Padmasiddhi, which is a it's a Chenrezig practice. I see. It. I think it is. I remember correctly. More. So a little bit, but more. It's more about it. It takes the energy because it's repetitive, and uh, discursive thought is repetitive, but not all at the same time. And the same damn thoughts keep coming and going. But we modify them. We say, then we say this. But what if this? But then if I did that? But if I said that, then that wouldn't happen. So I won't see. What should I say? I don't know what you, it's called uh, conflicting emotions about the nature of reality. And the nature of reality means the nature of you and the rest of the world. Because there's only two aspects to con uh, confusion. And that's duality. Me and what I want and the world and what it wants. In the form of your partner or your child or your president or your dog catcher. I mean, and however you want to look at it, all the polarities pull forth there. You want to get a really good dose of that join the military and find out what what that polarity is intensely somebody you do something a certain way or they will lock you up obey more it seems like uh, with mantras and frustrations it, there's it's just about it's as much about receiving as it is producing it is okay. yes very much it's devotion but how that shows up we have a whole, 
we have a whole culture in Japan that's been going for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. We have the same thing in Tibet, hundreds and hundreds of years. Then the Buddhist uh, Dharma for thousands of years. And the, all these lineages are springing out, all these teachers come out of this. And then one particular teacher, he or she or they understand in a different way and they start teaching in a different way. Just like, uh, I mean, I'm not a historian nor am I a scholar by any means. But if you look back a little bit in just the history of Buddhism in any one of these countries, you'll see where it went in different directions because of different teachers. Just like our founder of our lineage comes out of the 13th century, Dogen Zenji founded the Soto Zen order, which is different than other orders. Not a lot, but some. So this the idea of uh, repeating sutras, the idea of uh, doing those kind of uh, formal, formal practices, works in both ways to produce uh, the truth to repeat what the truth is in concepts of the Buddhist teaching and also uh, you're if you're prostrating it's at the same time you're you're going to refuge uh, in the Buddha the teacher uh, the one who is sane to a human being who is sane not a god but a human being who is sane no more war and to what he taught. In our case, it's um, everything is dependently risen. Nothing comes from its own side as a, as a singularity. And, and the world is deep in suffering all the time. This is not pessimism. It doesn't have that kind of a, of a structure to it. I'm happy to respond to questions in that area. And then refuge in the Sangha or the community of people who are endeavoring through through the, the teacher, if they have one, which they probably will, might have a different teacher, four or five hundreds of different teachers. Through that teacher, if that's a true teacher, teacher who is teaching out of what they're looking at, not out of what they know, not out of knowledge. They might have a lot of knowledge too, but the, the, the teaching dynamic needs to come out of you're looking at it. And so therefore, when you open up your big fat mouth, you're not leading people astray because you want to control them or you need a bunch of people to join your, your cult. See this kind of thing too, where people get, they get a few members or a few people and pretty soon they start trying to control them. Exasperating. More. What about is uh, chanting sutras as much about arousing bodhicitta? Uh, bodhicitta, the mind of awakening. So it's a, about connecting with that, yes, along with the sitting practice, a little bit of each. So it's different in the, in the Zen tradition. We have a hybrid situation here. I have a, a Zen master and I have a Tibetan uh, guru. So as you can see, by the way, this 10 years ago, I didn't know we have a Kagyu altar shrine in this room. That just started to appear. So it kept appearing in my mind stream. So then I located that one guy, what's his name? Shoto. Yeah, he, he didn't come. He twisted his ankle. What was he working on when he twisted it? I don't know, but he built the shrine. Uh, I did a sketch and he built it. So but it's situational. It's just that we're, we aren't in ancient in, uh, Tibet and we aren't in uh, ancient Japan, we're in the United States and we're in this culture, which is an incredibly crazy culture, all kinds of great possibilities and, and so on, along with a lot, a lot of things that are quite um, confused or handicapped. 
We're just doing the best we can. Any other questions? Kelly? With chanting, sometimes it feels like it's a way to get out that incredible energy that I sometimes struggle with. Um, but when you say like a little bit of chanting and a little bit of sitting, are those, do should chanting and sitting always show up together when we're sitting in practice? Not necessarily. No, even at like Thursdays, all we do is two blocks sits. All we do is sit for eight hours if you're doing the whole form. You'll end up doing shikantaza eight hours that day, close to it anyway. So I, we don't do any chanting that day. No form, no, uh, no forms other than the f- sitting. That's it, just that. And we also have, uh, um, if you go into solitary retreat, uh, I've just come up with a couple other way, uh, two other ways of doing a rather than a ten day solitary retreat. Uh, also, you can do what I'm calling a, a four by four. So it'd be a four by four by two, a four by four by three, four by four by four. So I'm saying four in the morning, four at night, and uh, for three days. No other forms of that. So, uh, only a few people have done that. And that's just a way of really, really emphasizing the sitting practice for a short period of time without losing your job, you know, or becoming a monk or something. Anybody could do that. But yeah, you, yes, you don't have to, to do combine them in some way. You don't have to do any of that. You just said uh, people who are here who are monks or who are ordained or lay ordained, then, then they, if they're going to live in the monastery, they have a requirement to do that. But people off in the distance, much different. You have to look at their job situation, more situational. Yes. Use in mind. Does chanting and mantra practice give us some insight into our production? Over time. Not, it's not going to do anything right away, but some kind of repetition. And this is what we're doing. You can, you're also free to repeat these mantras just like we did yesterday. Free to do the whole thing. You're free to do a short version of it. You can do that. Do the uh, gate, gate, paragate, or you could do a, a falling apart, falling apart, um, falling apart, nothing to do, which was Coben's translation or part of it. And you can also do um, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond. That's how it goes. Awake, so be it. That's another one. You could do that one yourself over and over. Some people are doing that, but usually. The person brings it up to me. I don't specify it and give it to you. If somebody sees what this is, is production aligned with the form in, in the way that it is when we chant? I would, I would think it would depend on the person who was showing up as a teacher. Is that what you're saying? But it'd just be so unique. You know, each teacher is different. I, uh, Coben and my two teachers, Coben, my formal teachers, Coben and Chunk Rinpoche, were, they knew each other and they worked together on a few things. But, but they were, their teaching style was just outrageously different. 
Coben actually taught with his presence, just wherever he was. I'm not saying he didn't also give some Dharma talks too. Have you heard any of his Dharma talks? It's a little hard to follow. Even his translations don't. The translation doesn't give the flavor of him giving a talk. The, the words are there, but perhaps. But more. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hello, Bowen. Go ahead, Koza. A while back, Gyokuro and I went to a retreat by Andrew Holacek, and it was about death and dying. And he talked about mantras as a way to prepare for your death. Mm-hmm. And the way he, it sounded like it was um, uh, instilling it deeply so it was a habit that came up reflexively. And he gave an example. If you die, you know, if you get in an accident on the freeway and you see it coming, instead of saying, oh, shit, you'll say, oh, money, pod me home. Something like that. So is there any, is there a benefit to that reflexive populating awareness of the mantra that you're, you've been working so, with? So I'm not against uh, Andrew Holacek or what he, I, I'm familiar with his teaching. I'm familiar with his writings on top of his uh, practices. And I'm, I'm not against anything he's teaching. I think it's great. If you're a student of his, by all means, do follow his lead and do what you want to do. I just don't teach that. I don't teach something that is going to pop up at your death. I'm not interested in, 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 in teaching that particular situation. What I'm interested in doing is encouraging you to see what this is right now, rather than training you for when you die that you'll the, the, the right mantra will come up. I'm not against that. If people want to teach that, they should go ahead. He should go ahead. And people should follow that if they, if that's what's in, inspiring them, then they should go ahead and do that. I want you to see now, not at your death. If you see what this is right now, you have a completely different understanding what death is. There is no death. I'm not saying the body doesn't go away, but who you are it can't be killed. You can't who you because your your identity has has uh, has abandoned. You could say the attachment to a solid self, a body who's right about some things, wrong about others, does pretty good on this, but isn't so good on that. This relative kind of churning around that goes around that protects the ego mind. Then no one left, and you could say, well. So goes on. So who's who's running their mouth up here on the teacher's town? Who's talking here? Just consciousness. The identity is uh, still hangs around, but it doesn't have much uh, street cred. It doesn't get to determine anything. So uh, therefore, I say you don't have to get rid of it. Just don't believe that shit. Don't disbelieve it. That's also a difficulty, and don't ignore it. Be vividly aware of your insanity. Be vividly aware of your tendency to want your own way. Get rid of that, because if you get rid of it, then, or you've covered it up, it's dependently risen. It needs to be there. It just doesn't get uh, get somebody that's tagging around trying to obey their crazy thoughts. 
Any further questions? He was pointing at you. Oh. <laughs> I was just checking. Her? <laughs> Uh, everything in this uh, room or our chants or our sitting is all based on teachings from our lineage but yesterday it seemed to be so much more powerful uh, because of the repetition or the quantity yeah like you did a, a thousand prostrations how did that affect you it seemed to be coming out of energy just out of gratefulness for the gift of the teaching. So you notice that nobody was told to do that. We just put them on. If you want to prostrate, you can come up and do a three-pointed prostration. I think everybody probably did a set. You did a set, several sets, didn't you? Did you? Yeah, I think everyone here did some. But you were showing off. <laughs> <laughs> No, you weren't showing off. I understand. What do you want to ask? Something more about the um, lineage. Uh, uh, I guess it, when we're chanting and when we're practicing, How important is it to be aware of where these teachings are coming from? Well, certainly some, but it's, I think it's different with each person. So, some we chant the the whole lineage we uh, every morning. We chant the mother lineage. I think we do that at night too, don't we? On the nights we chant the Heart Sutra in English. So, and that wasn't even being chanted, and then we. Um, just through you know, wanting to include women. So we actually created that. It's not a traditional chant. It's one that we came up with. It's not that there aren't traditional chants being done different places, but I wanted to do acknowledge the Indian lineages and the Chinese, the Japanese, the Tibetan. And this one, yes? I guess what I'm uh, still trying to come up with my question here. And then, uh, the, the chanting that we do every day is repetitive and almost, after yesterday, it, it seems almost empty of what, what was I, I was experiencing yesterday. What's going on there? Just contrast. Just contrast. That's that's available all the time. But it won't show up as some kind of a credential. It shows up in everything. Well, what do you mean when you, when you say contrast shows up in everything? What I'm saying is the contrast between your daily practice and suddenly chanting for 11 hours straight, you're chanting sutras, big contrast there. Is that what you're asking me? And so I'm saying that that's the the value or the, the, the showing up there that that 
uh, that um, value, I'm going to use that word, uh, the word that Trungpa Rinpoche would use would be sacred world. So you, you've been introduced to the world as it is instead of the way you thought it was. And you begin to see that be, you begin to see not just an abstract teaching of dependent origination, which is impossible to even create intellects, try to understand what that means, and actually quite often just destroy it by trying to explain it. But you actually see it and realize that it can't be put in words. User mind, what's the irritation that shows up with chanting the same thing day over day, hour after hour? You're irritated with that? Why do you do it? Because you say to. Because I say to? Oh my. My teacher. Okay. That's good enough. I, mean, I, I couldn't have done what I did, uh, especially in the early years, unless I thought of Trungpa Rinpoche as somebody that knew something I needed to understand. But it was very, very irritated to irritating to practice those teachings. I did it anyway. If I hadn't done that, I would not be sitting here. That doesn't mean that it's a cause and effect. I, I wouldn't know exactly how to how to characterize it. It wasn't exactly that. But the irritation is just you don't want to do this. But just like with meditation, some people start out meditating and really love it because they feel more relaxed or more peaceful or something, and then they eventually start to get into the, what is sometimes called the heavy lifting. It starts to get difficult because it isn't just you're going to meditate and be better via John Kabat-Zinn, not that he's not helping people, of course he is. I mean, it's, it's not just simple mindfulness practice. It's It's it goes into the, the deepest area of your life, which is life and death, which it, it's actually dealing with something you haven't dealt with yet. It's dealing with things coming to an end, impermanence. So when we're practicing, the ego mind is just uncomfortable with that. It's just irritating to over and over again. Here we go. Chant the sutras again. My solution for that is just don't chant them. <laughs> Don't do anything you don't have to. But if you have a teacher and you and you have uh, have uh, made an agreement to practice this path, and you you've uh, signed it, signed on the dotted line, so to speak, you're sewing a robe every time you take a stitch in that robe. You're signing on the dotted line. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. Over and over and over and over again when you stitch. And that's what you're doing to repetition, repetition, repetition. Was that irritating to sew the robe? Mm -hmm. No, me too. Are you pretty good at sewing? I've heard otherwise. Okay, we can either close or if there's another question, take another question. Hi, this is Chiazan, the prior at Sokokoji Buddhist Monastery. Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokokoji.org. Thank you.